It's unnecessary roughness. The third and goal, the ball inside the two, and O'Connell's out of the shotgun. Pocket holds to the end zone. What a catch! And he kept his feet down! Christian Wilkerson with the toe tap in the back of the end zone! This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. And the legend of Aiden O'Connell continues to grow. The hype train for Aiden O'Connell continues to roll as you heard the touchdown pass right there to Christian Wilkerson in preseason game number two versus the Rams. A really nice pass from O'Connell. Nice footwork with Christian Wilkerson at the back of the end zone and uh, put six up on the board. Of course, kick the extra point and get the seven points total. The Raiders get the victory over the Rams in preseason game number two, 34-17. I know there's been a lot of conversation about that game, the results, and of course, players that stood out in that game will continue to do that throughout the course of the show this afternoon. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and I just about as always, I'm in the studio queue, the home studio, and we're going to have a good time this afternoon. Got a lot of really good guests to get to. Always excited and pumped up to, for the opportunity to spend a few hours and talking with Raider Nation and getting your thoughts and your feedback and, of course, talking to our many guests that we have on the show as well. Of course, the show is being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shout out to my man Mordecai. I'll tell you a lot more about them later on in the show. Just know, if you need some jewelry, you need to get hooked up. You need to go to the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Mordecai will take really good care of you. But like I said, I'll tell you a lot more about them later on in the show. Coming up on the show today, we do have some really good guests. As always, Ed Graney starts us off, as he usually does that on Mondays, from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas. And he's still on assignment. He's still on Little League World Series assignment as the Henderson Little League team continues to play. They've won two games in a row, and they've done it pretty much in convincing fashion. Uh, Their bats have woken up. Their pitching has done a great job. So he's still in Williamsport. Uh, He'll join us to talk about the Raiders, but he'll also talk to us about the Little League World Series that is ongoing as Henderson gets underway again tomorrow. So we continue to uh, hope that they, they have success out there. And they're living their best life, and they have an opportunity to interact with big league players. Bryce Harper was in attendance over the weekend. I thought that was really cool. And uh, just the, the way that Major League Baseball has embraced the Little League World Series and really made sure to focus in on that and the young players that are out there. And I don't know if you saw it, Ari. I don't know how much Little League World Series you've been watching, but the Henderson team, they have their little dance that they do every time they get on, on base. It's a little hip gyration. And it was so funny as I was watching ESPN this morning. I was watching Get Up. And, uh, and uh, it was uh, Greeny. Greeny was talking about it, and he was trying to describe the dance. And Greeny, I don't know how much you really pay attention to him. He's not a very dance-type guy. No. And so he's trying to describe. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, the, the little leaguers from Henderson, they have this thing where they go around and around. I was like, it's a hip gyration, you big dummy. <laughs> it's like it's easy. Like everybody knows that. It's not, it's not some kind of new thing that they came up with. Like it's one of the oldest little, uh, you know, dances or dance moves or whatever. It's pretty funny, but – I mean, just it's only funny because they're twelve year olds, but it's not something that you don't see all the time. So anyway, we'll see if Ed Graney is is you know got himself caught up in the in the little hip gyration from the Henderson Little League team. I feel like he's Ed Graney's slightly hipper than Greeny. <laughs> right. I know one thing: Ed Graney is hipper than Greeny is. That's what I'm uh, saying. Then yeah. then Greeny, yes, yeah, for sure. There there's no doubt, and and Greeny has no problem saying that he's not. I mean, yeah. he he knows who he is. Ed doesn't he, either, <laughs> and that's right. That's the thing about it, man. You got to know who you are and who you ain't. 
<laughs> right? It's like me saying I'm an athlete or something. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> you are not a, an athlete. We know that, right? But you're comfortable in your own skin. That's and, right. And that's how we roll. So Granny will join us at 2.30. We'll talk all things Raiders as they are, uh, you know, another preseason game up, another preseason game in the books, and another victory. And I know that victories don't matter in the grand scheme of things, but so far head coach Josh McDaniels in six preseason games with the silver and black is 6-0. and And really the only team that's better than him in the preseason is the Baltimore Ravens, right? They've won like 23 or 24 games in a row. They're in action tonight, taking on the Washington Commanders. Again, I know winning and losing doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but I do think it matters in when it comes to creating habits when it comes to winning games. And so he's going out there with the game plan no matter who the, the player is, and they're trying to win games. It's not like they're just trying to get through it. They're trying to get – they're trying to win these games. And so, I mean, it, it goes for a little something. But, of course, it doesn't mean anything in the regular season. They've got to turn those preseason wins into regular season wins. So, Granny will join us. We'll talk all things Raiders. We'll also talk about the Little League World Series and what's going on with the Henderson's team and them getting back in action coming up to, tomorrow. But he'll join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, uh, Crystal Rich Bell from KTLA TV. She does radio, uh, TV out there in Los Angeles. And she was actually in attendance to the game on Saturday uh, covering the Rams and the Raiders. And the thing about it is she told us she was at Raiders training camp for uh, like probably a week or two uh, earlier in this, uh, this training camp period. She was telling me how much, you know, the Raiders still carry so much weight in L.A. So she said, yeah, it's, it's great to get out of L.A., come to Vegas and cover the Raiders because when we report back, there's so much interest in the silver and black as opposed to either the Rams or the Chargers, which is funny because the Raiders don't play in L.A. anymore, but we know the history. We know how much, you know, again, how many Raider fans, how much the Raider Nation is still in existence there in L.A. So uh, she was having the time of her life being able to come out here and enjoy training camp and then go back to L.A., cover that game as well. So uh, Crystal Rich Bell will join us from KTLA TV. She'll join us at 3 o'clock to talk about the Raiders, what she saw in training camp, what she saw at SoFi Stadium on Saturday, as the Raiders came away with the victory over the Rams and, you know, just what her outlook and thoughts are on the upcoming season. So, again, Crystal Rich Bell, KTLA-TV at 3 o'clock. Then at 4 o'clock, very excited about this guest that we have, and I'm always excited to get this guy on the show, Dane Brugler from The Athletic. And you're probably thinking, wait, hold on, doesn't Dane cover the draft? Yes, he covers the draft like a glove. And it's so funny, I want to say five or six years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, when I really first started covering the draft myself, the first draft I ever went to was when it was in Chicago. And I remember that it was always a big deal. And guys like Matt Miller, who at one point was on Bleacher Report, he's on ESPN right now, I used to have him on my show as a weekly guest talking about just NFL, talking about the draft, and he was the draft guru guy. But I felt like it wasn't really an all-year-long thing. I felt like it was there's a certain period where you talk draft, and then the draft is over, and then it drops off, and it's quiet, and then it picks back up, and then you go. Now it seems like the draft is all year long. So I'm not having Dane on to talk about the draft next year, what the Raiders could be looking at. I'm not doing any of that, but I do have him on to talk about Aiden O'Connell. That's what I'm excited about. He has his his uh, draft guide that he puts out each and every year, and as a subscriber to The Athletic, I'm able to get it and download it, and it's, it's almost like the draft Bible for me. It's one of the best draft guides out there. It's called The Beast. He puts it out each and every year and spends a lot of time on it. So I really, for guys that I don't know, I'll go and start to get some knowledge from, okay, what did, where did Dane have this guy ranked? What was he thinking about this guy? What are, the, what are the good traits that this guy has? What are the bad traits? And I remember when the Raiders drafted Aiden O'Connell, as I am very honest with everyone, I wasn't 
big time familiar with Aiden O'Connell. I knew who he was, but I didn't know what he was all about. And I didn't know what kind of player he was going to be. And anyone who would listen to me, I said, I think he'll probably be a glorified backup at best. And I have no problem coming out and admitting that. I thought he was going to be a glorified backup. And he very well still might be a really good backup in the league. I don't know if he takes that next step to be a franchise quarterback. All I know is through two preseason games, he's looked pretty stinking good. So, you know, all you could do is, is play the games that are in front of you and let the chips fall where they may. And right now, he's putting his best foot forward. And I've said it plenty of times, if you had told me a month ago that after two preseason games, I'd be looking forward to the next preseason game so I could see what Aiden O'Connell does, I'd have called you a liar. But this is where it is. I'm excited about this upcoming week because, well, I want to see what Aiden O'Connell's able to do against the Cowboys if he plays, right? I think he's going to play. But he might have even earned that opportunity to really not have to play very much in this third game. It's not the dress rehearsal anymore. It's like the, the fourth preseason game used to be. So he might not even get that much, uh, that much run out there. It might be the Chase Garber show for all I know. But either way you look at it, I'm excited about Aiden O'Connell. So I want Dane Brugler to come on. When the Raiders drafted him, I checked out his guide immediately, and he had him listed as a fourth-round pick. Well, Raider Nation, Aiden O'Connell went in the fourth round. So, I mean, he was spot on about that. He had a lot of the intangibles about him. He, 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 liked, he, he put what he liked. He, liked. he put what he didn't like about Aiden O'Connell and, you know, his strengths and weaknesses. And so uh, I just want him to, now that two preseason games are in the book, join the show and talk about Aiden O'Connell, you know, what made him feel like he was a fourth-round pick, what has he seen so far, how does he fit with head coach Josh McDaniel's system? Because that's the other thing. It's not just always about the quarterback or the person itself. It's how do they fit with the team. How does the coach use this guy, and does he fit with what he traditionally likes to do? And I think one of the best traits that Aiden O'Connell has shown so far is his ability to understand the moment and understand what's going on in the grand scheme of the game. Like, I keep saying he's got it between the ears, and that's one of those intangibles that you you really need to have as a quarterback, right? He's obviously overcome a lot of adversity in his life. I know he lost his brother. You know, during the football season last year, still went out there and played. I know that he was very deep on the depth chart. He was like ninth at one point. He was a walk-on quarterback. So he's overcome some stuff, right? To say it the least, he's overcome some stuff. So when it's all of a sudden third and eight in a pressure moment, he's not going to get flustered. He's not going to get rattled. The reason why is because he's already overcame some stuff. So this is just like, okay, it's just another play. Let's go out and do what we're supposed to do. That, that kind of stuff is something that you can't really measure. But it's a big deal. So I'm excited about the conversation with Dane. And he's a very busy dude. I know he's working on 2024's draft already. <laughs> right? He's already focused in on that as college football gets started this week. I'm excited about that. Uh, that's a nice little tease. Start watching the college football action. And then you know the NFL is right around the corner. So Dane Brugler from The Athletic, author of The Beast. He'll join us at 4 o'clock to talk all things Aiden O'Connell. So those are the guests that we have on the show. Ed Graney, Crystal Rich Bell, and Dane Brugler. They're going to be live on the show. We also have Jimmy G., he was in the Raiders locker room. Vinny Bonsignor was able to pass that along as he was at SoFi Stadium. So he got that. We'll hear from Jimmy uh, right following the game on uh, Saturday. And, of course, he got the start. Only played one series, but thumbs up. Four for four. Drove down the field. Scored a touchdown. Good to go. All right, good. Get up out the game. Be safe. And that's exactly what they did. So, Jimmy, you'll hear from him throughout the course of the show. And also uh, head coach Josh McDaniels will hear some sound bites from after the game on Saturday. Then he also met with the media by way of Zoom on Sunday. So we have some sound bites from him as well. We've got a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited, as I always am. We'll always obviously hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. 
the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So I got two different questions that I want to bring to the table, and of course you could always chime in about anything, like Sir Whiskey Ray has already hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, we do appreciate the feedback, 69187, keyword R&R, but uh, you can chime in about anything. I do have a couple questions that I want to bring to the table, and one, I don't think, the actual pecking order really matters, but I want to ask the question anyway. Do you think Aiden O'Connell should be backup quarterback? Should he be QB2? Has he earned that spot in your opinion? Now, I've heard a lot of people, I've had some people tweet at me, it's like, man, he earned the number one spot. No, 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 slow your roll. Slow your roll. It's been two preseason games, and this is Jimmy G's team, right? Jimmy G is going to be the guy that's going to be behind center until he's not. Now, if something happens with availability, that's another question, but we saw Brian Hoyer on Saturday. I think we all know what Brian Hoyer is and what he brings to the table. Me, personally, I think Brian Hoyer could be a guy who's a quarterback on the roster. I'm not saying get rid of him. I'm not saying that at all. I think Brian Hoyer could be on the roster, but he could be a guy on game day that's not dressed. Right? And that's, that's just me. And I know that he brings something, something to the table. And so, in a pinch, if he has to go into the game, he would, he, he, he's, he's qualified to do that. But I'm, at this point, I'm like, man, I, I wouldn't mind just seeing Aiden O'Connell out there if worst-case scenario – if push came to shove. But then again, they have the, the quarterback rule where they have the extra quarterback, so maybe Brian Hoyer could be that guy. I just honestly have a feeling that Aiden O'Connell has, has earned the right to be the number two quarterback. So in your opinion, should he be that number two guy or should he stay where he's at right now or where he was at, the number three spot behind Brian Hoyer and make sure Hoyer's ready to jump into action if need be? That's the first question. The second question is really the more important one for the, for the show today. And the second one comes from I was uh, part of, of the Locked On Podcast Network. Every year we do a division, a division crossover show, and they did it a little different this year where uh, we were all together. So the host of Locked On Chiefs, the host of Locked On Broncos, Locked On Chargers, and Locked On Raiders are all together, and we're having a discussion. This time it wasn't really as much of a discussion. It was more just kind of a Q&A, a question and answer. So they had a couple questions, and – the, I don't think, and I don't know when the show's going to drop, I don't think it was a very good show. I'll just be 100% honest with you. Um, it, it didn't come out very good as far as I'm concerned. But that's a conversation for another day. But one of the questions that was asked was, what is the national assumption about the Raiders that you feel is wrong? And I thought that was a really good question, right? And, and that was a question that was asked to every single uh, you know, d- d- team host from the podcast network. What is the national assumption about the Raiders that you feel is wrong. So for me, my answer was that this team, the talent has, has regressed. Instead of gotten better, the talent on the roster has gotten worse. That was, that was my opinion. And the reason I said that is the Raiders didn't bring any big-time names in. Last year they brought in Devontae Adams. Last year they brought in Chandler Jones. Last year they were supposed to be able to compete with the Chiefs in the AFC West. They were going to do this, that, and the other. Uh, this could be the year, right? Tyreek Hill's no longer a Kansas City lookout. So the, the expectations were sky high. Some of the big names that were there, you get them with Waller and Renfro, and, man, it's going to be in Jacobs. It's going to be phenomenal. So now a lot of people from the outside looking in that don't really pay attention to the Raiders just assume that the Raiders roster is worse than it was last year. I don't sign up for that. I don't agree with that. I think that the Raiders, for what they want to do, and I think that that's something that people have to really focus in on, what they want to do, this roster is better. I think Jacoby Myers is a really good fit in this offense. I think that Michael Mayer, the tight end, is going to be a really good fit. 
I think that there's guys on the defensive side of the ball that are hungry and are showing that they could be a part of this defense and do what Patrick Graham needs them to do, like a Marcus Epps, even a Robert Spillane. None of those are sexy names. None of those are like, man, that's the first day of free agency. Go sign that guy. Got to get him. Super Bowl, here we go. Even Marcus Peters, he's got a name. But look when the Raiders signed him. Just they barely signed him, right? I mean, so he was, he was the last of the Mohicans to get signed. There's guys that they went out and made moves for. Like, Ja'Cory Bennett wasn't on people's radar when the Raiders drafted him. People, we're talking about Aiden O'Connell now. Who was talking about him then? Who was calling in like, hey, you know what? The quarterback the Raiders need to go draft is Aiden O'Connell. And we heard everything. Trade up to go get Bryce Young. Go get C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson. Remember, I was high on Anthony Richardson because of his intangibles, because of his work ethic. I was like, well, hell, if he drops to the Raiders at that spot, go get him. Sure. I sure as hell wasn't talking about Aiden O'Connell. Right? Folks were talking about quarterbacks out of Fresno State, talking about Tanner McKee out of Stanford. I mean, just all quarterbacks, nobody was talking about Aiden O'Connell. So none of the names that the Raiders really brought in, Amari Bernie, did anyone say that that's the linebacker that the Raiders need to go get? No. Right? I mean, they didn't go get any big time. They didn't check any of the superstar names. And then Jimmy G, right? The trigger man this year. They replaced Derek Carr with Jimmy G. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's not a better move. But for what they want to do, it's better. It's a, better, it's a better decision for what Josh McDaniels and company wants to do. And I was the first to say no to Jimmy G because of his availability. It scares me to death, right? As good as he looks, I'll tell you right now, I was a little nervous when he was out there on Saturday because Jermaine Illuminor was the left tackle, not Colton Miller. Thayer Mumford was the right tackle, right? I mean, there was, there was some, some moving and shaking along that offensive line. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, you got to be careful. And Jimmy took a shot to the chest, and he was all right. You know, I mean, look, it's football. At the end of the day, you can't play scared. You just got to go out there and play. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But for what they want to do, for what Josh McDaniel and Dave Ziegler's vision is, this roster is better. Trey Tucker provides speed. We saw that on full display on Saturday to the point where I think Aiden O'Connell just whiffed on the first ball he got ready to throw. He saw Trey Tucker wide open. It was almost one of those, oh, my gosh, he's that open. Let me just hurry up and throw it to him, and he threw it out of bounds. That was the worst pass Aiden O'Connell's had all preseason. I just think it was, it was so wide open. Was, man, let me just hurry up and chuck this up here before he gets covered. And it just, well, went out of bounds. But for what they want to do, they added speed. They added intelligence. They added guys that are hungry, that love football, that have ball production, something that I've been very adamant on the defensive side of things. You've got to get guys that know how to get the ball. Isaiah Palomar, pick six. I know the ball came right to him like Ari could have caught that. But you had to catch it. You had to make the play. Right? There's been times. I've seen guys. I've seen Raiders have the ball right in their hands and just put it on the turf. I've seen that. So he at least made the play and then had the wherewithal to take it to the house. And you see the entourage he had that took him to the house? It wasn't like everybody stopped and watched. He got that ball and everybody gave him an escort to the end zone. That's, that's what they've been working on a lot in practice. That's what wasn't going on early in training camp that it took probably about a week and a half, almost two weeks before they started getting their hands on the ball. But once they started getting their hands on the ball, they started doing something with it. So my argument, and it wasn't even an argument, but my, 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 thing that the, the, my, my comment that the national assumption about the Raiders that is wrong is that the roster got worse. I do think it got a lot better. I really do. So, I mean, and that, that could be a, a discussion point if you want to, too. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. 
Just uh, chime in and let me know. 69187, keyword R&R, and 702-365-9200. Like I said, Ed Graney will join us coming up at 2.30. Should Aiden O'Connell be the backup corner, has he er- or quarterback? Has he earned that spot, in your opinion? And then what is the national assumption about the Raiders that you believe is wrong? I'll go out to the text slide real quick. This is from Mike from the OC. I think O'Connell earned the backup job. Absolutely. We, meet, we need to move away from backups that are only here because of the system. Let O'Connell, who is much younger, learn the system and go from there. Love the show. It's Mike from the OC. And that's a, that's a great point, Mike, because he's not a guy that just has to come along for the ride because he knows the system. Like Again, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful to Brian Hoyer. He said it himself. He's only still playing in the National Football League because the Raiders signed him because he knew Josh McDaniel's system and he was comfortable with that. I think he plays an important role. Like, I want to be perfectly clear about that. I do think he plays a big role with this Raiders team as more of a coach and a guy that can help tell Aiden O'Connell, okay, this is where the read is. Okay, th- like just basically coaching him up so Jimmy G doesn't have to worry about being the quarterback one and mentor. I do think that that's a big role, but that's also why I think that there may be some games where you don't see Brian Hoyer dressed. I think that you see Aiden O'Connell as, in case of emergency, break glass guy. All right, here we go. Jimmy G went down, boom, you got to go in there, figure it out. Right now – and this could be foolish on my part, and I have no problem with that. Right now, I would, I would be okay if, if Aiden O'Connell had to go into the game. I would feel like, you know what, it's not going to be an automatic L, right? I mean, it's not, it's, not the, it's not an ideal situation, but I feel pretty confident that he knows enough of the offense where he could still, you know, he could still doggy paddle. He could keep his head above water. He won't sink, right? So that's – and I guess that might have been a – Bad choice of words since, uh, you know, we had the hurricane coming and we were all worried about that. But you understand what I mean. I definitely wasn't trying to make a, a funny or anything. That just, that's, that's, that's just it. I just think that he could survive. He'd be able to hang in there if he had to. Again, it's not ideal. I don't, want him to, I don't want him to have to be in that situation, but I think he would be able to be okay for the time being. So, Mike, thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. Max in Vegas said, I think you hit, the, hit it on the nose last Friday, Q. You asked the question, can O'Connell surpass Hoyer as a number two quarterback? I think Hoyer's performance has solidified that. He wasn't that good. O'Connell still needs work but looks really good. Thanks, Q. That's Max in Las Vegas. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like it. And I remember asking Vinny, is there, is, is there a chance that Aiden O'Connell could somehow solidify that number two spot? And Vinny said, it's, it's, not, it's not a ruled out. It's not one of those situations where it's an absolute no. And, again, the pecking order might not even matter at the end of the day. It might not even matter. You know he's on the roster. It's not like he didn't, you know, he's going to get cut or anything. He's going to be a guy that's going to be on the roster. The question is, you know, how many of the extra snaps may he get in, in practice, right? Because, of course, the backup quarterback has a lot of work to do as well, helping the starting quarterback even with the game plan. And that's where it may hurt him a little bit only because he's not that familiar, right? Like that's, all, that's what I could see him being what holds him up. Not really necessarily what he does on the field or is potentially can do on the field, but just the knowledge of the system and the knowledge to be able to help the Raiders get prepared for an actual game day. Like, that's the only thing that I look at and say, yeah, that might, that might slow down the process just a little bit. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q&Ari, good afternoon, gentlemen, on this crazy weather day. Everyone out there, please stay safe and, safe and dry. I'm going to get straight to the take. Jimmy G looked great. Aiden O'Connell once again looked fantastic. I can't help but get excited for our quarterback play. Also, our defense only allowed 13 first downs, 224 yards, and a pick six. I absolutely like what our defense is doing here in the preseason. You can't help but get excited. It's definitely looking promising heading into the regular season. On another note, gentlemen, my liver was left in Tahoe over the weekend for a wild bachelor party. Shout out to, the, to Niner, Gabe, and Greg. Light switch. Paloma, I'd, 
I'd still be at the club if it weren't for my boys kindly taking care of me. LOL. Thanks, Q. Looking forward to a great show today. It's Sir Whiskey Ray. So I messed up the whole end of that one, but what I got out of that is that he had a good time partying all weekend. <laughs> That's what I got out of that. And then as far as just the team itself, he likes what he saw from Jimmy G in a limited uh, capacity. I do as well. I thought, you know, his drive that he had, he looked like he understood what he was doing. He understood the assignment. Got the ball out of his hand quickly. Got it to the playmakers. And speaking of the playmakers, I know I said that I thought that Trey Tucker and DeAndre Carter were probably in a competition for a roster spot. I don't believe that now. And the reason why is what I saw from DeAndre Carter on Saturday really feels like he, he separated himself and showed what he can do. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be more than a one-year thing as he's on a one-year contract with the Raiders, but he has some burst to him. I mean, I know he was fast, and I knew he did some good things with the Chargers last year, but what he was able to do, even on a quick wide receiver screen or uh, opportunities on kick returns, what he was able to do, he just looked comfortable. And it looks like what Trey Tucker is going to be at some point and is not there yet. I don't think this Raiders team is going to rush Trey Tucker into that role. DeAndre Carter, to me, and this could just be me, he looked really good. He really did. I know he didn't have a whole lot of attention, a whole lot of attempts and, and touches of the ball, but in the limited amount that he did, I thought he looked really good. I, I really do. So I think, I think DeAndre Carter <laughs> and this wide receiver room has just gotten so much, much attention, and I don't know how they're going to come up with the decision on who stays and who goes. There is a lot of guys in that wide receiver room. There's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. I mean, hell, we talked about Christian Wilkerson at the, at the top of the show catching that touchdown pass. That, and that was great footwork at the back of the end zone. Cam Sims, who had the other touchdown reception from Aiden O'Connell. That was a great catch. At the very highest point, he went up there and got it, got his feet inbounds. Of course, they ruled him out of bounds originally, and then he had to go back and they went to review, and it was a touchdown. And I don't think it was even close. I remember seeing the replay one time, and I was like, that was a touchdown. <laughs> right? It, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even that close. So, yeah, there's, there's some t tough decisions, man, when it comes to that, that wide receiver room. It really is some tough decisions. One more text. We'll take a break. Brad and Conker said, I think O'Connell has clearly earned the number two spot. If Jimmy G goes down, I believe the team will rally behind him after what he's accomplished so far, way more than if Hoyer trots out there. That gives the best chance to win as a team now and possibly for the future. That's Brad and Conker. What does Ed Graney think? Well, we'll ask him next. Ed Graney from the Review Journal on ESPN Las Vegas. He joins us next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Touchdown, taking over this game. Isaiah Palomal on the biggest play he's made so far in this preseason. That's a 50-yard interception touchdown for the silver and black right before halftime. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. JT the Brick on that call right there. and You can hear Eric Allen, the great Eric Allen, celebrating, exciting, hearing a pick six. That's something that we don't talk about a lot when it comes to the silver and black, but Isaiah Palomao came up with that on Saturday in a return favor as the Rams got a pick six earlier off of Brian Hoyer. Isaiah said, hold my beer, I got you, and he took one to the house off of Stetson Bennett. One of the many highlights that came out of that game 
on Saturday. Join us now on the phone lines to talk a little Raiders and talk some Little League World Series is our good friend Ed Graney from the RJ and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. And, Ed, I know you're on Little League World Series duty out there at Williamsport, and that's exciting as Henderson continues to roll on. So we'll start right there. I want to know, has Ed Graney started to do the little hip gyration dance that the Little Leaguers are doing? No, nobody wants to see that uh, <laughs> at all. I have not done that. I watched the dances before the game, and uh, it's very cool. Kids are having a lot of fun with the mascot. But, no, uh, we're going to hold – there'll be no gyration in the press box. I think, that's, I think that's on my credential, actually, but just for me. They said, yeah, you, number one, no gyrations. Right, right. No, no cheering and no gyrations in the press box. That's the new rule. <laughs> you know, that might, be, that might need to be the new rule for all the press boxes. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if, if the Raiders haven't put that on their press, uh, press passes, please do so immediately. Right. There's no doubt. But, uh, Ed, Henderson has ran off two wins in a row after losing the first one to Rhode Island. What has changed, or is it just they're not playing Rhode Island? <laughs> no, they didn't. You know, Rhode Island, they didn't, they didn't play well. They only gave up one hit. So they just didn't, they just didn't hit themselves, or they would have, it might have been a different story. But they're pitching like crazy. They've had they're two and one now. They've only given up six runs and ten hits in three games. So they're pitching really well. Their ace uh, Nolan Gifford has only pitched three innings. He'll pitch tomorrow. We can talk about that because they're about to play one of the best teams. It's not the best team in, in, in the tournament uh, from the U.S. side who just got upset uh, a few minutes ago. But um, they're pitching really well. They're deep in their pitching staff, and uh, yeah, they're playing really well. They're hitting the ball now. They didn't hit in the first game. Now they're hitting the ball. So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. You mentioned them having a lot of fun, and winning is always fun no matter what level you're at. But just watching these last two games, they are really having a good time, and it's almost like it's contagious. You know, the, the, the hitting the ball and seeing the ball, they're scoring a lot of runs right now. It just seems like it's like hitting is becoming contagious for them. Yeah, and they'd hit, you know, they'd hit through districts, they'd hit through regionals, and they just didn't hit in that one game. Now they also got struck out 15 times by one of the best pitchers in the in the entire World Series. So, it's one of those things where they just ran into a guy. You know, that was the draw they came up with, the team they played, and that, that guy was really, really good. So, um, you know, they, don't, they haven't faced anyone like him the last two games, obviously. They've hit a lot better. Uh, so we'll see who they face tomorrow. They face a team tomorrow, Q, in, in uh, Nolansville, Tennessee. Um, I like offshore betting from Todd Dewey at the paper, and offshore Nolansville was the favorite to win the U.S. bracket when it started. Wow. And they looked amazing in their first game. And I just watched them get upset by the Seattle team, but – uh they're really, really good. So um, uh, Nolan Gifford will be back on the mound to ace for, for Henderson, so he'll be back on the mound, and they're going to need a really good effort from him because this Tennessee team is really, really good. Again, Ed Graney is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness, talking all things Little League World Series, and we'll dip into the Raiders as well. So what did that Seattle team do so good to be able to upset Tennessee? Tennessee didn't hit with runners in scoring position. They loaded the base in the first inning, got nothing. They had Ooh. second and third, got nothing. They just couldn't come up with a clutch hit. And then Seattle, uh, they they kind of manufactured runs. A hit bat, a, you know, hit by pitch, a couple walks, an air by Tennessee, and they scored five in the second to kind of take the you know time to take command of it. So when that happened, you knew you know unless Tennessee started hitting, it was going to be a loss. So yeah, they uh, they just manufactured runs, and um, I didn't think they were better than Tennessee, but they were today. So um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. That's going to be really cool. Tennessee's really good. Henderson's playing really well. Um, that should be a good game at ESPN. It's noon your time on ESPN. Okay, and that's a, that's a win or go home, right, for both teams now. That's, that's win or go home for both teams, right, exactly. 
Yeah, so that's going to be, I want to say, a lot of pressure, but I feel like kids don't really have pressure. They just go out there and do what they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's more – I've heard this from a bunch of people back in 14 when Mountain Ridge was here. Their coaches said it, and the coaches here. The coaches, they take this stuff a lot harder. I mean, mm-hmm. the kids take it hard in the minute when they lose, and like five, you know, ten minutes later you see them running around the complex, you know, chasing each other. Right. The coaches and the parents and the adults, the adults in our world, you know, um, you and I and, and and everyone else, we take those things a lot harder, I think. So um, no matter what happens tomorrow, I think the kids will be fine. I'll be worried about the adults for a while, though. No doubt. We all know that the parents and the adults, they take it way more serious than the yeah. kids. The kids will be out there getting ice cream and chasing each other, yeah. like you mentioned, and having a good old time. And, you know, speaking yeah. of having a good time out there, Ed, I mean, Bryce Harper and the, the Nationals were and the Phillies and Nationals, they played out there and all this is going on. How cool is it that just all these different interactions are going on with these little leaguers? It was amazing yesterday, and I got to give Harper a lot of credit because he was just mobbed everywhere he went. But he stopped by, you know, Vegas guys with Bryce and Stott, a Vegas guy. They both went to the Henderson uh, dressing room before their game, signed autographs, took pictures, talked to the team. Um, uh, Bryce Harper was able to watch some of the game, uh, the win, before he had to get on for his own game. But um, he was just mobbed. And I, I saw him signing every autograph, taking every selfie. He couldn't get down. He was in the ESPN booth. He couldn't get down for more than 20 minutes just down the stairs because everyone was flocking to him. So, um Gave him a lot of credit. Bryson Stott also was great with the kids, and as, as were all the players. I mean, they came to the complex. A lot of them, it was their first time visiting the Little League World Complex. Um, they were talking about how cool it was. And I thought that, you know, watching the game last night, I just thought it was really cool. It was at a minor league park here in town. Seats about 2,500. All the kids were there. And uh, I think the, the major leaguers really got into it. Um, afterwards, I thought it was really cool where the Phillies and Marlins lined up to shake hands like Little Leaguers do. Um, I, it's it's a really cool thing they do for these kids, and you know it's something. I mean, these kids are going to remember the Little League World Series for the rest of their lives to begin with. But now with a situation like that and being able to meet Bryce Harper and stuff like that, and Bryce and Stott, uh, they'll really remember it. How important do you think that that is that the Major League Baseball players and Major League Baseball in general make sure that they do have those interactions with the kids and allow players to kind of talk to them and send them good messages, just to let them know that hey, you guys have done a good job to get here, uh, and just kind of keep their their mind their their heads right. I think it's really important to give back. Um, you know, these guys, These guys, most of them played Little League, although I thought Harper's quote was pretty funny. He played Little League until he was six, then he started travel ball. So, uh, <laughs> right. Was, uh, you know, he was just always head and shoulders above anyone his age group, yeah. obviously. Um, I think it's important to give back. And I, and I think that they might say, you know, they might, like, you know, shake their head, say, we got to do this, we've got to fly into Williamsport, we've got to get on a bus, we've got to drive over to the Little League complex and play. And maybe in the beginning they don't, you know, maybe aren't fired up about it. But you saw when they got here that they really loved it. Um, sliding down the hill on cardboard, yeah. um, trading hats with the kids. Um, so I think you know when you get here and you see how how insane these people are. They were they were lined up for you know you know we're in, we're in Pennsylvania and a ton of Philly fans and they were lined up ten deep all the way across the field, uh, all the way across the concourse here at the Little League uh, Complex. You know two hours before. I mean just hoping to get a picture with them, just hoping to get yeah. you know a an autograph from him um, and to see him. So I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. And I think, I think he made an impression on him as well to being a superstar, but also kind of giving back and what it means to these kids, the Henderson kids, they'll never forget that having him and Scott come in before the game and being Vegas guys from the Vegas Valley and, uh, you know, coming in and talking to those kids from Henderson. Yeah, that's, that's a special moment, man. It really is. It's something that I know that they won't 
ever forget. And I don't know how much you've got to see on TV. I've, so- I've soaked in a lot of it on TV so far. I think ESPN has done a great job. Julie Foudy has done a great job interacting yeah. with the kids. That, that also, I think, is pretty special, just having someone uh, from the network being out there and, and, you know, like I said, out there hanging out with the kids and throwing ice cream to them and just being involved, dancing out there in outfield or the grass or just doing a lot of different things. I thought ESPN has done a great job with the broadcast. They do an amazing job with the Little League World Series. Um, Kirchin and all those guys and, you know, uh, the former major league players they have on there now, and Julie Foudy, uh, Jess Mendoza, um, I think do an incredible job here. And they do, they interact with the kids. They make it, you know, they make it fun for them. You know, these kids right. come here, some are really savvy and, you know, good interviews, know what to do, but most of them have never been interviewed in their life. And all of a sudden they've got an ESPN camera in their face. And I think Foudy does a great job kind of calming them down and taking them through it. And, you know, being there for them, I know she had uh, Nolan Gifford on after their game yesterday from Henderson. And, you know, Nolan, when he first got here, um, a lot of, lot of one-word you know one word answers and stuff, and he's even opened up now. I saw that in the ESP interview. He's kind of opened up, you know, over the time, over the, you know, just the several days here. So right. I agree with you. I think ESPN does a really, really good job, you know, and I, I can't tell you how many people back home, you know, who say, you know, or texting me saying they just can't stop watching it. They watch right. games, non-Henderson games. They yep. just turn it on and and watch, watch, you know, the international bracket. Um, had, a, had a walk-off two-run homer uh, today that was amazing. Um, they watched the U.S. bracket, and they just can't get enough of it. So I think, I think you're spot on about ESPN. Yeah, it's great. I'm watching right now the international bracket, Japan and Ch- Chinese Taipei. Yep. That's on right now. So, I mean, again, man, it's always on my TV no matter what. Again, Ed Graney is our guest here from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I also wanted to ask you a couple Raider questions. And, you know, they get another another victory in the preseason. Uh, I know that they don't matter, but Joshua Daniels now, for the record, is 6-0 and in the preseason yeah. with the silver and black. I think winning – is something right I don't think that I know you can't carry those wins into the regular season but just get in the habit of winning games Ed I think is a is kind of a big deal well they just need it in their culture right any win is a huge deal they've got to establish a culture of winning and look if you're going to go out there and play especially that violent and a tough a game then you might as well win it right um so I think you're exactly right I mean I think that that's you know look we saw last year it didn't really carry over and they finished six and eleven after going undefeated in the preseason but I mean, would you rather lose a game? I mean, I, I just I don't ever feel that that's like a smart way to look at things. Right. Um, you know who they're going to play. You know guys aren't going to play that much in terms of starters and everything. But they need a culture of winning, and if it starts in the preseason, then it starts in the preseason. But, you know, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch it because I was here, but I heard you coming back in with the pick six, and uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic more so than I thought would be, and I don't know what you think about this, uh, about them defensively. You and I have talked about this. They've got to be much better defensively, and for whatever reason, I'm cautiously optimistic they're going to be. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think everybody feels that way. I mean, I really do because I'm, I'm one of those guys. I don't want to get too high on what I'm seeing in preseason. I obviously don't want to get too low on it either. But, yeah, I feel like that there are strides being made defensively to be a much better team. And we all know, as you saw what they did last season during the regular season, if their defense was worth the salt, you know, a little bit better than they were last year, they're going to win some of those games that they lost at the end. So I think that that – is a positive step. And you mentioned it, you know, that you know who's going to play. The starters aren't going to play. Jimmy G and the starters, they did play for one series, both offensively and defensively. How much do you think that that was a smart move by Josh McDaniels just to kind of not do the same thing he did last preseason and at least get a guy that hadn't been out there since November, uh, actually a little bit of time out there on the grass? 
Yeah, I didn't mind it. I thought it was fine. Um, and Jimmy G, I, I read some quotes where he wanted to play and wanted to do it. So if he comes and tells you he wants to do it and he wants to get a series in, give him the series. He obviously played really well during the series. They went down and scored, right? So, yep. um, you know, I mean, I have no problem with it. Look, he, he had to get back in there at some point. And do you want his first hit coming in a regular season game with all that time off? Right. Um, I read a quote where he said it felt really good to get hit. And now he's been hit, and now he knows what it feels like, and he'll be in there, you know, against Denver. Obviously, he won't play against Dallas, but he'll be in there against Denver, um, you know, opening day. So, I thought it was a good move get those guys in there, and uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't. They came away healthy. Yeah. Um, no one got hurt, so that's number one concern when you put starters out there. But um, you know, he wanted to play a series, and I've got no problem with. That. I, you know, you look around the league, there's starters playing. These quarterbacks are playing. You know, right. a lot of them reading the box scores and reading, you know, roundups of games. So maybe the trend is changing a bit where, you know, coaches want to see guys and, you know, especially, you know, guys who like Jimmy um, coming in with his first year with the Raiders. Um, I thought it, I thought it was fine. I did too. I, I thought it was a, a smart thing. I know we have plenty of people that called in and said that they wanted to see the starters get a little bit of action. And so they did, you know, they got a little bit of, of run out there and Jimmy was four for four. And like you said, led the team down the field, scored on the first drive, and then was able to get out of there. Everybody was healthy. Everybody was all good. Well, the guy that everybody really wanted to see wasn't Jimmy G. It wasn't Brian Hoyer. It was Aiden O'Connell. The, the legend of Aiden O'Connell yes. continues. What do you think? Is he a guy that you could potentially see by the end of, of uh, training camp in the preseason being the number two guy as opposed to the number three guy? I mean, he's played well enough to be it. Whether they'll actually make that switch to start the season, I'm not sure. I mean, he goes to Dallas and plays that well again, it might be hard to keep him out of the number two spot. Um, you know, I was uh, reading all about it in terms of how he played that well again. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, look, I think you, re- you draft a guy comparative to a 15-year guy, you want the draft pick to be the number two guy eventually. Right. I mean, or don't draft. Right. So, you know, whether or not it's at the beginning of the season or not, I think eventually it'll happen. But, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any reason to – doubt that he can be the number two guy and like you said it's the uh it's the Aiden O'Connell show now it's the legend of Aiden O'Connell which is uh great for us because we have stuff to write and talk about I'll, I'll tell you what Ed I didn't think a month ago that Aiden O'Connell would be the guy that I've been talking about throughout the course of each and every no, show exactly. but no. <laughs> but you know here we are here we are and look I think Brian Hoyer has a, a good role on this team and I think he's going to help Aiden O'Connell continue to grow so I think his role is important but I also think we know who Aiden or who Brian Hoyer is so you know, as long as he's on the roster and is able to kind of coach up Aiden O'Connell, I think that that's a good thing. But I don't know necessarily if he needs to be dressed for every single game. But that's just me. No, I mean, and I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think, like I said, if O'Connell keeps playing this way, there's no reason to not make him the two. Um, I just I don't know if it'll happen in the first week. If something, right. you know, they got Hoyer. You know, he's been around for a long time. Um, He's, uh, you know, he knows the system and all that and all those kind of cliches that we put with these guys who've been with Josh McDaniels before. But at the end of the day, there's also the side that says, look, if you think Aiden O'Connell can play, um, have him as the number two in case something happens. Right. You know, pick the best guy. There's always that. Like, who's the best guy? Who's played the best? You know, how much does he know of the offense? How? And you've watched both games. So, you know, have they given him, have they thrown the whole playbook at him? Have they kind of been careful with him and he's just kind of overachieved in those sense? I don't know because you've watched right. both games. So he's certainly played well. I don't know how much they've given him yet, um, but he's, he's, making a, he's making a push for number two. There's no doubt about that. Right. No, there is. And I think there's a little bit of both uh, in there. I think that they haven't given him everything, but I think he's done really well with what they've given him, right? And, oh, yeah. and, and that's Absolutely. all. 
that's all you could really ask him. And, Ed, we'll close yeah. out with this. There's been some reports about Josh Jacobs potentially returning sooner rather than later. At what point do you think Josh Jacobs needs to be in camp just to get himself ready for week one? Well, we've talked about it. Um, I always thought it was going to be the week before the opener. Um, and maybe now I read Benny's story. Maybe now it's, uh, it's going to be sooner than that uh, to get him in there and start getting some hits into him. Um, I always thought it was the week before, so you know. Again, maybe he comes in sooner. I think he's. I don't think there's any question he's coming in. Um, I think for them, it's the sooner the better to get him acclimated, and you know, obviously to get his body, you know, through some physicality. I'm sure he's been working out. I'm sure he's in good shape, but that's different than football shape, and that's different than you know taking some hits in practice and kind of having getting that you know feeling back about getting hit. So I'm sure he'll be in, and uh, he'll make his 10 million, and we'll see what kind of year he has. Yeah, yeah, we will. And uh, I, I'm excited about him getting back. So I, th- I think that he's obviously a major part of this Raiders offense. Well, good stuff, as always, Ed, out there in Williamsport. What, uh, what are you working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Uh, Henderson, Henderson, Henderson. Uh, <laughs> until, until, this, until this run ends, it'll be all Henderson all the time. And uh, we'll see tomorrow against Tennessee. Watch that game because uh, that's going to be some game. They've got Nolan Gifford going against uh, – a team that might be – they lost today, but they still might be the best team in the U.S. bracket. So it'll be fun to watch tomorrow. And that's at noon at uh, our time, right, Pacific time? That's noon Pacific on ESPN. All right, we'll be paying attention. Ed, thanks so much, man. Get back to uh, having fun and not too many gyrating uh, – too much gyrations in the press no, box. It's on my press credential. I'm not allowed. <laughs> right on, Ed. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> There he goes, Ed Grady right there from the RJ, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and our sister station as well, ESPN Las Vegas, talking about some Henderson Little Leaguers and obviously the silver and black as well. 2.49 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number one. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Little LL Cool J sounds right there. How about the force? How about the roots? How about DJ Jazzy Jeff, Salt Pepper, Ice Tea? How about a concert at the MGM Grand Garden Arena? We actually got tickets to that that we'll give out throughout the course of this show and the course of this week with LL, the force live, the roots, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Salt Pepper, and Ice Tea. It's all going down. Breaking news here from Adam Schefter in the NFL and the running back position. Colts have given all pro running back Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade per league sources. Other teams now are weighing whether to make an offer to the Colts and what would be fair value. We found out last week that Anthony Richardson was going to be the starter for the Colts, and I kept saying, wow, that job just got that much tougher if this situation in Indy does not play out where Jonathan Taylor is happy and back in the building. And now it sounds like the Colts are okay with Jonathan Taylor possibly being on the move. Interesting development. I knew as we talked to John McClain every Tuesday, something didn't feel right about this situation. It's not the same as the situation with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. It's a very different situation. Started because the Colts owner, Jim Ursay, likes to get involved in everything. So that's an interesting little development right there. Not sure where he's going to end up or if he's going to end up somewhere. But, hmm, Jonathan Taylor allowed to seek a trade. This is new news coming in right now. From Adam Schefter, normally I would save that kind of stuff for cover three, but that's cover three all I need. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of, uh, of info right there just throwing out there. So that's going to be a headline that we'll be talking about for quite a while, especially if they do, in fact, pull the trigger on a trade. We've been throwing the question out there 
Should Aiden O'Connell be the backup quarterback? Has he earned that spot in your opinion? And also, what is the national assumption about the Raiders that you believe is wrong? Mine, I said that the national media believes that the Raiders roster has not gotten better. Dolby Raiders said, congrats on your ESPN national gig. Awesome and so well-deserved. The Raiders got much better, but not only national guys think the Raiders got worse, but there's a guy on the athletic Raider beat who agrees. Thought the Rams did well running on our starting defensive line. That's a concern, but I don't know who played in the middle. Tucker is being groomed to play the Z position. That's Dolby Raider. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate you. We'll get back to that text and more as we kick off hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.